The scripture passages for this Sunday comes from the Book of Psalms, chapter one hundred twenty-one, and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter six, verses twenty-two to twenty-three. Book of Psalms, chapter one hundred twenty-one. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm; He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Gospel of Matthew, chapter six, verses twenty-two to twenty-three. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness! Oh, hello. <laughs> I just had to finish up sending a a text message just now.、Um, have you ever done that before when you're walking and you bump into something because you're on your phone checking a news feed or or texting someone or watching something? And we know this is the reality now that we live in, where we call things like walking and texting twalking, supposedly. And and we have this thing called distracted driving. It's getting to the point where we now have laws in our in our law system for you to not drive and text, right? And you get a pretty hefty fine for doing so. Don't you remember the days? I I still remember the days, oh the good old days when you could just have a phone to your ear while you're driving, you know? And 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 that's gone now because of all these people who can't seem to multitask. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm on the road and and I see someone who's just driving way too slow, and wondering like what's what's going on? Is something wrong? Or someone's like kind of swerving back and forth? And so you know you you take a wide berth and go around them to see what's going on. Maybe maybe they have an, a medical emergency or or something's going on, and and you see that you know what, what are they doing? They're texting on their phone. And the first thing that I want to say when that happens is like, look up, man! What are you doing? Right? Watch out! You're gonna get hurt. You're gonna hurt someone else. Like when I 
first got my motorcycle license, one of the things that they taught us while you're learning how to ride a bike is to turn. And, and you know, they, have, they set up a course for you to be able to learn how to turn. And the tighter the turn, the, you know, the harder it is, right? And one of the, the pointers that they give for this is to look where you're going. So look towards the way that you want to go. So if you want to go left, you need to look left and turn your head towards left and it'll help you go in that way a lot better than looking the other way. So you want to look where you want to go. And isn't this true with our own lives, that where we fix our eyes on, where our eyes spend the most amount of time, is the direction that our whole lives turn to. I don't know about you, but for the past year, one of the main things that my eyes have been fixed on is COVID. What is our daily count? What's on the news, the stories online? When will the vaccine come out? It's got to the point where I want to shut it all out. Enough of the news, enough of the constant reminder and the bombardment of a world that seems so messed up. So with all of this going on, what does this psalm have to say to us? about our current situation. Listen to what the psalmist says here. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? I don't know what the psalmist is going through here, but he's, he is obviously seeking for help. He is going through some kind of crisis or worry where, where he is looking up to the mountains for help. I don't know if you've ever done this, but when, when I'm feeling hopeless or, or don't know what to do, I tend to look up, right? Like when people are thinking or trying to solve problems, they, they, they literally look up. Well, we're in a time in our world history where we really do need some help, don't we? Christian, non-Christian, Canadian or non-Canadian, young, old, male or female, it really doesn't matter who you are. All of us are in this together. We all need some kind of help, don't we, during this pandemic? So as the psalmist asks this question, where does my help come from? He answers this question with the answer that his or her help comes from the Lord, Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. This is to whom the psalmist will look for help. It isn't in her own abilities, her resources, or her station of life. It isn't in the vaccine technology or in a social influencer. It's in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Verse 1 to 4, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like God is slumbering. I feel as though God is sleeping. Why hasn't COVID ended? Why is there still so much hate and suffering in the world? Why is there so much wrong in the world if the Lord is supposed to be my helper? Does he care? Is he awake? Just like the disciples who were on the boat with Jesus while he was sleeping, we are anxious for Jesus to do something. Jesus, wake up. 
Help us from the storm. We're in this season of Lent, and we are in a series called For the Joy Set Before Him. And it's based off the passage of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. As we journey with Jesus through the season of Lent and the global pandemic, how would have Jesus prayed through this psalm? What is the joy that was set before him as he endured the cross? What is the joy in the midst of so much suffering and pain? What is the joy set before him as he journeyed to the cross? And what is the joy set before us? When I had my first child, and Jeremy just recently had his baby this past Friday, so we want to thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy, for having that baby. It's really Caitlin who, who probably did most of the work, but um, congratulations. That's what I wanted to say, not thank you. But thank you, too, because, you know, another baby to hold, right? Hopefully, in the near future. Anyways, one of the first things I've learned as being a new parent is the importance of a child sleeping. Your whole life is regulated around your child's nap time and bedtime. And if you miss a nap time because you have to go and hang out with a friend of yours or something like that, it just ruins the rest of your day. So you really need to calculate if it's worth it. So if a friend calls you out or if you have a, a birthday party to go to or, or an event, you really have to weigh the cost, right? You have to say, is it really worth it for me to miss my kid's nap? Because if, if, if he misses that nap, I'm going to suffer, right? Because the baby will suffer. And so, so you learn about this thing about how important napping and their bedtime routine is. This is it's just part of what it means to be a new, new parent. But there'd be times where Taylor would sleep for a really long time, and you get used to realizing how, when they sleep and when they're about to wake up. And so then once in a while, I get worried. I get worried as, like, is he okay? Is he, is he breathing? And so sometimes I remember doing this. I would go into the bedroom and, and check. You know, you could go in very quietly because you don't want to wake the baby. But, and just you want to go and check to see if he is breathing. And so you're looking for, you know, the movement of the body. But sometimes, like, he wouldn't move. So I'm like, is he breathing? And so then you go and, like, put your hand under the, under the nose to see if they're breathing, and you still can't tell. And so I would, like, poke him, right, just a little bit, right? You just, like, kind of shove him a bit to see if he'll, like, if, he, if he'll respond. And, and he would, right? He'd be like, he'll do one of those. And then I'd be like, okay, okay, he's sleeping. Or he's, he's alive, he's breathing, right? And then you, but th at the same time, you, you then think, God, please go back to sleep. <laughs> we don't want you to wake up. And as a first-time father who, who loves and cares for his child, I would watch over him when he was sleeping. And I bring this up because in our passage today, over and over again, we see that God, who does not sleep nor slumber, but like a loving father, he watches over us. In this short psalm of eight verses, there is a repetition of the Hebrew word shamar, which means to watch over, over, to keep, to preserve, and to guard. Verse 3, he who watches over you. Verse 4, 
Indeed, he who watches over Israel, verse 5, the Lord watches over you. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you, which means watches over you from harm. Verse 7 again, he will watch over your life. Verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and going. I don't know if you've ever watched your kids play in the park and he or she would say to you, Mommy or Daddy, watch what I'm doing. Watch me. They want us to see what they're doing. And some, and some studies have shown that when, when young athletes are performing and they know that their parents are watching them, they seem to do better. They run faster. They try harder. Instead of when the, their parents are on their phone. Children seem to respond better knowing that their parents are watching them instead of watching on their phones. And this is a good reminder for me because, you know, I've had three kids and I've been through many of their events, whether it's sporting events or, or those lovely school concerts. And, and you learn quickly to pay attention when they're on, right? And then when they're off, you just go back to your phone, right? And, and I learned the... the, the the secret of being attentive when I need to be and then, you know, doing my own thing when I don't need to be, right? Especially at a concert that's like two hours and your kid only sings for the first five minutes and then for the last five minutes, right? And it's hard to sit through two hours of the same kind of concert three times in one season. So anyway, so, so I've learned how to do that, but at the same time, trying to be being a, a good, attentive parent. I will watch them when they're, when they're actually on. I don't know if you noticed this, but one thing in the psalm is that the voice of the one who is speaking seems to change from the psalmist to someone else. It goes from the psalmist who is anxious and asking where his or her help will come from to that of another voice in verse 5, where the words seem to be directed at the psalmist. The Lord will watch over you. He will watch over Israel, but more importantly, the Lord will watch over you. He will watch over you as a loving parent, their child. The Lord will make sure that the sun will not harm you and nor the moon uh, in, the, in the night, which just basically means anything in between that the Lord will make sure you won't be harmed. The Lord will watch over you. Whoever is speaking here is answering the question of where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of, of heaven and earth, because he is your keeper. He is the one who will watch over you, whether or not you are aware of his presence, whether or not you are awake or you're sleeping. He will keep watch over you in your going out for your groceries to coming home from your work. He will watch over you because he loves you. And isn't this what we need to hear more than ever? here now more than ever? Isn't this what we need in the midst of a global pandemic that, not, that does not seem to end? But you might be wondering, like me, but, but what about those who are catching COVID or who have died or who have lost their jobs? What about those who are hurting and who are still suffering? In the season of Lent, as we journey with Jesus to the cross, to the cross, this psalm gives us hope in that even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of the cross, there is a God who watches over us. I do not think that God watching over us means that all of our problems will go away or, or that everything will be solved. 
but rather we can trust in a God who is willing to be in the midst of the suffering and the pain, a God who is present in the pain, a God who entered into the suffering and endured the cross, a God who made the heavens and the earth that brings light out of darkness, a God who brings life out of death. And we all know that there is a difference between being happy and having joy, right? Being happy is more of a, a present emotional state, but, a, but joy is something deeper, a feeling that you can have even in the midst of, of pain when things are not going well for you. It's something that we can even have in this time of COVID. It's something deeper that we can find in God. And in Hebrews 12, what we uh, are basing our series on, uh, in Hebrews 12, the writer calls us to persevere, to fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And this is what we need to hear in the midst of this pandemic. We need to persevere by fixing our eyes on Jesus. In Matthew 6, to 23, the eye is the lamp of the body. This is Jesus speaking. If, you're, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Our eyes are the ways into our heart. The eye here that Jesus refers to is to the idea of an undivided loyalty. And I really like the phrase that Jesus uses here in terms of if your eyes are healthy. So the things that you look at, the things that you pay attention to, if those things are life-giving, then your whole self will be impacted by it in a positive way. And what Jesus says here speaks to that saying that you've heard, that your eyes are a window to your souls. What we fix our eyes on, what we look to and pay attention to, shows us who we are and what we care about, and speaks to our state of being. So how do we find joy in the midst of the cross? How do we find joy in this year-long season of the pandemic? We look up. I was looking into this psychology of joy and was looking into the idea, the idea of, of looking up. The psalmist looked up to the mountain and asked the question, where does his help come from? He found it in God, the maker of heaven and earth, who is his keeper. I never understood why I do this, but I do seem to look up when I'm looking for an answer or when I'm in need of talking to God. I, I, I walk around and just look up saying, God, I need you. I need your help. Where are you? Other times I look up and just see the beauty of, of creation and say, this is, God, I could just feel your presence with me. I love just looking up into the sky, especially, you know, when we go camping and, and you see the stars in the sky or seeing like the Rocky Mountains. And, and there's actually a psychological reason why we do such things. Our visual brains have several distinct systems. One of them is more specialized for graspable interaction uh, uh, of space in the lower visual field. So like, you know, looking down, looking on our phones. And if you, if you notice, when you look on your phone, your, your peripheral vision is very limited, right? It's, your view is just here. 
But there's this other one where uh, we have a secondary um, visual thing called, what's it called? Right, it's, it's a visual field that's, that's specialized for a visual field above the horizon. So it's to look beyond, right? Looking up and looking beyond. And a neuroscientist, Fred Previk, argues that this second visual system is, is specialized in helping us survey the extra personal space. The distant vistas of the horizon is, is what our... Uh, what, it, what the human beings have well-developed versus other creatures. And Previk goes to argue that this is the area that uh, uh, this part of the brain is, is strongly activated during religious experiences, meditative activity, dreaming, and, and any kind of artistic or creative activity that encourages us to reach beyond the boundaries of nearby time and space into the infinite and eternal. So it's no accident, according to this uh, person, Previk, that, that meditative states, trances, mystical or religious experiences are often accompanied by looking up with our eyes. And this is why human beings have built cathedrals and large buildings so that when we look up, we feel the power and the majesty and the glory of God. On our honeymoon, we went to Turkey as one of the places to visit, and we saw the Hagia Sophia. And I remember being there and looking up at the dome, and this dome was supposed to be a special dome. And it was, it was a cool experience just being there, looking up, and, and you could just feel the awe and the majesty of that space and, and of, of a place where people were worshiping God. And, and after that, I've, I've noticed just when I was looking through my, my pictures, I seem to take a lot of pictures of domes and churches or buildings. Like, I just love looking at those domes and, and looking up. And one thing I, I miss about my old church, York Mr. Park, is that when I used to go for lunch sometimes, I would, I would purposely walk through their worship area and just look up because their ceiling is, is vast, right? It's huge. And just the, the sense of awe and majesty you feel as you're going for lunch was, was a great, uh, it just gave me a sense of peace that, that I really loved and I would do. And it got me thinking that what is earth but the dome of God's glory? When we look up, we start to see the greatness and the power of God. We are awed by such a wonderful, wonderful creation, seeing the Rocky Mountains or, or uh, you know, um, the lakes. It leaves you speechless, just like now. And, and when I was thinking through this passage and thinking about how we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, one thing became clear to me. Yes, it matters what we fix our eyes on, and yes, we need to fix our eyes on, on Jesus, but guess, guess what? The God of the heavens and the earth, the God who created Mars and, and the rest of the galaxy, the God who created this amazing dome and cathedral we call earth, he is the one who has his eyes fixed on us. He is already looking down on us and watching over us. This psalm isn't about where we are looking as much as recognizing that our loving Father, our loving God, 
the God who made the heavens and the earth, is fixing his eyes on us. He is watching over us already. And just like those young kids who seem to run faster and play better when their parents are watching over them, we can, even in the midst of a a global pandemic, persevere as we live in the reality that God is already watching over us. During this week, I want to encourage you to spend some time looking up. Look up and see the beauty of creation. Look up and get out of your own worries and the things that are distracting you. Look up and realize that as we look up, God is already watching over us. I want to end our time today with a poem called I Wonder by Danny Williamson. I wonder, what would happen if I look up? Will faces be seen, open eyes dream, or life redeem the over-distracted monopolies of time? Will disconnected connectors finally connect with heart's desire for connected community? Will birds sing again? Will playgrounds swing again before notifications chime on my phone again? I wonder, what would happen if I look up? Will daylight dawn, will paintings be drawn, or will I be withdrawn into my virtual world of social so-called popularity? Will I see flowers in bloom, children dancing in the living room, or helium-filled balloons dancing through the sky to catch my eye as time flows by? Will the sun set again before death begins, trapping breath within while my online world closes in? I wonder the outcome if I look up. Will beauty be noticed? Will mountains be moved? Will life begin? Will joy unravel upon the road less traveled if I look up to the face of my friend?